Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. Hello, welcome to this podcast. My name is Anne. I've been a volunteer here at Joy for 17 years. Please continue to support Joy. This is our 25th year and we need community support by way of donations and memberships. Support Joy now during Radiothon 2018. Head to our website. Click donate now. Joy.org.au Broadway icon John Cameron Mitchell channels the essence of his glam rock icon Hedwig and the Angry Inch for one night only at Art Centre Melbourne this July. So put on some makeup, turn up the A-track and pull the wig down from the shelf. John Cameron Mitchell, July 10 at Art Centre Melbourne. Book now. Joy sponsor. A silent storm begins to brew in an ancient land of darkness. With tumultuous force from the crust of the earth, two worlds come together as one from the past and the present, celebrating culture and spirit, paving the pathway to our future. It's time for dreaming. Urban dreaming. Finding your voice. Finding your spirit. Joy 94.9. Warren Jacker, Joy 94.9, would like to acknowledge and pay respect to the sovereign peoples of the past, present and future generations of the Kulin Nations on whose unceded land we work, live and broadcast from. We would also like to acknowledge all our brother boys and sister girls of the LGBTI communities. Yes, hello. So we had a moment, guys, but that's all good. We can carry on from here. So now it's, um, yeah, Urban Dreaming. we actually got a new panellist at the moment and is unfortunately he's had a bit of a, a situation, but it's all fixed now, isn't it, Neil? It is, sir. I'm sorry about that. A little bit of a hitch in Twitching Switching Studios, but we are back on air. And you would have all heard that normal introduction as... as well, at least uh, we got that. Yeah. You can't, can't forget Uncle Jack's voice. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's been great to um, come back on board. We actually um, had a bit of fun the other week as well with the Crazy Tuesday with all the, the crew yeah, there. That's right, with the Radiothon special. Yeah, the, yeah, and I've had some amazing interviews. And if anything, we've got some more amazing interviews coming up. We'll be discussing um, what it's like to be a gay person or anyone in the regards of the LGBTI in the arena of the mining industry and also the effects of what happens to a person individually, whether they are actually struggling or whether they actually are are coping. Um, So, yeah, it's a really great discussion we'll be having with someone um, this evening. So that's going to be about quarter past eight, so keep that in mind. And also we'll be discussing about the arts and the industry of how how particularly hard it is in in the funding, regards to the funding. Uh, The government... um, you know, there's a bit of a thing for the artists. Unfortunately, we, we do what we love, but we're not being completely funded by it. And it's actually a real a big struggle for a lot of our mob. Um, and particularly um, artists who are trying to make a living um, and it's not easy to pay the rent. So we'll be discussing um, in the studio one of my good friends who we won't, um, we won't mention her name. She would prefer to remain anonymous. And, um, yeah, it's going to be a really great topic to discuss because, you know, I personally live in that same um, category as well. So until then, we're going to play a track for you right now, and this track is um, one of my favourite artists, of course, and that's Jeffrey Gurumul. Here it is. Check it out, Jeffrey Gurumul.
Yes, hello, you're on Urban Dreaming. The time is now 8.07 and we're here till 9pm. This is Sarami on the mic and our panellist, Neil. Hey, Neil. Hey, Siri, how are you going? I'm good, how are you? Very good, thank you. So good for you to cover for us. Unfortunately, Grace has been away and um, she's, um, she's in hospital. That's no good. It's not good at all. better soon. Nothing serious, though. She's actually, she reassured me that she's fine and she's just got an operation she has to go through and um, she'll be back by hopefully next fortnight. So oh, that'll be good. <laughs> I'm so happy that you, seriously, like, thank you so much. No problems at all. So, Neil, in regards to your work, what do you do in, at the station here? Because I've always seen you for the last couple of years here. At Joy? Uh, yeah, I, I did the uh, radio course at Joy about uh, two years ago. And then from there, I sort of decided I wanted to do more voluntary work. So I joined, as part of the radio program, I was at the, the training. I shadowed a, a show called Sunday Arts Magazine yes, on Sundays. One. And so I started doing that. And then from there, I became a regular on that. And I co-present there on, on Sunday Arts. And then as part of um, my sort of helping out and joy, I also do some reception work and some office admin as well. So Very that's nice. where you obviously see me as well. So. Yeah, yeah. And you've always got such a beautiful, um, nice introduction to us every time we come into the space. It's <laughs> Thank you. Nice. And so, yeah. So, and it's interesting that you mentioned this, that tonight you want to talk about the creative uh, creatives, basically, and that's what Sunday Arts is all about. Mm. So, you know, we sort of look at, uh, I suppose, I think we like to call ourselves the arty farty guys on Joy, and we just more or less interview uh, whatever shows are on in Melbourne at the moment, and we range in anything from performing arts to, to uh, visual arts and, and dance, anything else that's basically happening Beautiful. in Melbourne. Beautiful, that's right up our alley, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I want to talk to my friend here, but she's actually going to be talking to us later about, yeah, specifically what we just discussed about um, the performing arts industry. And you know how difficult it can be as a, as a creative, yeah, and, in and, the industry. And I, but also know that it's you, we've got to make a living. You know, it's it's almost near impossible at the time because we don't get um, we're not funded as much as we should be. I think. No, and that's always the interesting story, isn't it? Story is how how do you retain that sort of creative output, and how do you you know do, I suppose cr- keep creating and, and still be able to sustain yourself as well? Exactly. So um, we'll be discussing also with a good friend of ours um, who's actually um, whose name we won't mention, but he will be discussing with us about what it's like to be uh, a gay um, gay man okay. in the mining industry and how difficult it can be um, sometimes, you know, the, the, I guess the idea of being um, discriminated against um, to a degree of, of what they call man's yeah. world, you know what I mean? So the thing is, how do we go about that? You know, is, is there anything that, um, I guess, that point of knowing that we need to move on as well to accept that everyone is the same, we all bleed the same colour. Yeah. And, um, you know, this whole thing about um, stereotypes, it needs to be thrown out the window once and for all. I think, yeah, you're right. I think, I think sometimes also we ourselves in our community, I think, have those stereotypes. And I think we need to start 
teaching ourselves as well as other people as well. For sure. Okay, so that song just played before. That was um, Jada and, uh, and Miri, one of my favourite artists of all time. Jeffrey Grimmel, unfortunately, he passed away. Yeah. But that song particularly was actually one of his last songs that he actually did make. Okay. Um, it was one of the highest Indigenous um, artists of, uh, of our time, Australian icon. And um, that was actually written in April in the release of um, Jaramiri, uh, which is the child of the rainbow. It means the child of the rainbow. Okay. So over four years in the making and completed just weeks before his passing in 2017, uh, Jaramiri, child of rainbow, is actually Gurumul's gift to the world. An outstanding achievement of music, presenting traditional songs and harmonised chants from his traditional Yongnyu life with dynamic and hypnotic orchestral arrangements in a blend of the highest forms of his culture. And our European orchestral culture, Mm. It's a final message on his behalf, a window into his supreme culture and a recording of the iconic artist at his creative peak and a legacy that will not be surpassed. So, yeah, um, it's just amazing. I always still kick myself in the head when I think about Jeffrey because I, I remember he gave me an opportunity to perform his, one of his first ever debuts. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, at the, um, at the Sydney Opera House for the Deadly Awards. And I said no because I actually I was um, quite intimidated by his presence and his work. And uh, when I actually watched him perform in the end, I, I realised, oh, I could have done that. I could have performed alongside him. But I will never forget that moment just for him to even ask me was just so special. But it so, would have been, yeah, such an honour already. Yeah. yeah. So we've got another song for you now, and we're going to play this one. And this is actually a very good friend of ours as well. Yep. And he's, um, he's, he's, he's been hitting it hard, and he's doing so well in the industry right now. Um, he's actually on the top, uh, what I hear, the top 20 in the Triple J, maybe the top five to that degree now, alongside artists such as Kendrick Lamar. Okay. This track is deadly. It will blow you away. Check it out. Everywhere we walk upon in this world, one indigenous group or another has once lived there before for thousands and thousands of years. One of the most intricate and respectful ways that we have at that place. We need to remember that. You're on indigenous land, original clans. Since beginning of May, countless years out on this land. Living so grand, allowed to command. Intrinsic alarm, never disband. 60,000 plus. Following law before this sight of hand Through the seasons and sacred plants Injured with storms for many lost fans From the desert down to the clay pan Tropics and mountaintops from to no chance Sanctified beaches, no equivalent Swept with the tide, deeply advanced Warriors, post, so poised in a stance Out of wisdom, truth never by chance Sorcerers, elixirs and transcendent dance Standing in love across every expanse Message to blind, it's in the hands Reflects from beauty from all that expands Infused with the magic, majestic and grand Muriyama, Tarakulan Nungo, Badi, Kalitaban Kuku, Yalanji, Bang where is it you stand a man? Whose land you standing on? Know the history, know the facts. This indigenous land that you are on. Indigenous land is where you stand. Indigenous land is where you be. Indigenous land, it always was. Indigenous land always will be. Indigenous land is where you stand. Indigenous land is where you be. Indigenous land, it always was. Indigenous land, always will be. Lest we forget the frontier wars and the genocide blueprint that does live on. Deaths in custody is seized, not more prolific than ever for spot big ghosts. Still, they gallivant and they brought boss. Children again and again, stole on in the blink of an eye. They go with us and then they are gone. We still amidst all these storms, 230 years on. Village in school, culture ignore. Fictions in city is adorn. All of our sacredness shaken and sworn. All the while on indigenous land, we are living out that lies upon. Does your mind realize the song? As they post in subliminal dawns. From my sisters on the rise on. Do not belong. A perpetual cycle of wrongs. It's been glorious. We will time bomb. But yeah, all of our kingdoms still here, still live on. We still countless original, limitless indigenous nations. So don't broken to the law. Ancestors sing along. They giving us more. Adversity, they giving us more. From the desert to the shore. They delivering law. They sing the law for forevermore. Indigenous land is where you stand. Indigenous land is where you be. Indigenous land, it always was. Indigenous land, always will be. Indigenous land is where you stand. Indigenous land is where you be. Indigenous land, it always was. Indigenous land, always will be. Indigenous land, always will be. 
This is Consciously Kaya, and you're listening to Urban Dreaming on Joy. Yes, that song just then, that was Dreaming Now, Indigenous Land, and that's by a fella, one of our very good friends, Neil Morris. So Dreaming Now is a Yorta Yorta, ancient in the now, a, pub, a prolific performer in Nam, Melbourne. For a few years now, MC, instrumentalist, poet, keeper of song, evoking vibrations of law into the now. Known for experimental beats, driven sounds, fusing indigenous singing, hip-hop, soul, experimental beats, and other things that emerge in the genre genre of pushing sound yes neil morris you're kicking ass in the industry and you're doing so well brother and we are saluting you right now with our fists okay now the question's been going on for an extremely long time in regards to you know being a gay person in the industry of the mining industry that is and always you know it's always been a touchy subject for us and um i think you know do these people feel like they exist in the mining industry or do they just feel like they should remain generally silent as long as the silence prevails, workplace experts say mining companies can pretend like nothing is wrong, but discrimination is still happening today all around the world. LGBTI people are endured more have endured more than the uh, than any decade, most decades of insults and inappropriate comments about their sexuality. And tonight we actually will be discussing this topic with a young man who also happens to be a gay Aboriginal man working in the industry. And right now we have him. How are you? I'm very well, thanks, mate. How are you? Very, very good. Thank you so much for making time for us. It's, uh, I think it's a very um, in, in, interesting and important topic. No problem at all, guys. So we're not going to mention your name because I know you want to remain anonymous and I know it's, it's difficult specifically in the industry because, you know, with, there's so many protocols to withhold. So I'm respecting that fully. Um, but I guess what we want to do is just try to get a bit more of an idea um, on how it is to be a gay man in the mining industry because it's always been seen as a hard yakka uh, man's world, you know, that whole thing about it's what men are meant to do and, and women are supposed to be in the kitchen. Um, I guess my question to you is, has it always been difficult for you personally um, to start work in the beginning of, you know, working in the mining industry? And has there ever been any discrimination when people found out about your sexuality? Um, so for me personally, when I first started in the industry, it was about seven years ago, um, and I was very nervous at the time. I I wasn't sure how uh, I needed to act or behave when I first got to site, and um, for me being a city-based worker, um, it was a pretty big eye-opener. But to be honest, I've been pretty lucky. I've never really had any major issues. I have always been accepted um, when I first started in the industry, though, I kept my sexuality to myself for quite a long time. Um, that was just purely because I thought that it would be it would make life for me easier in this industry. But it has changed a lot since I first started um, seven years ago. It's a much more open and accepting environment. I think, and not just for LGBTI. Um, Australians, but also uh, women in general. So there's a much larger presence presence in the mining industry for women, um, and also Indigenous people. So it's it's still very much a male dominated sort of masculine environment, but it's a lot more open and accepting than what it used to be. So would you say that the industry is misguided when they are increasingly desperate to gain a social license to operate and um, in needing to, pr- to prove that it can be a forward way of thinking? Or do you think that today has changed after the poll ha- have agreed to say yes? Oh, look, I think, um, I think that what happened with the, the vote for marriage equality was, um, you know, it wasn't my personal preference for the way that we should have solved that issue. I, I never believed that a vote... Um, for a minority's rights is ever appropriate. But I think it did have some positive impact in regard to that. I know personally, having conversations with some of my workmates about um, how they were going to vote, and many of those people in the past probably would have voted no, um, purely because of their own, whether it was religious beliefs, whether it was the beliefs that they'd held just growing up and what was expected of them. But when they get to know people like myself and they see that I'm working alongside them and I'm really not that much different to them, um, it sort of changes perception. So I think in that regard, the vote actually did quite well um, in this industry and I had no one that told me um, personally that they voted no. Everyone that I spoke to said they voted yes. 
Well, the company has always had an anti-discrimination policy that takes place, and that includes sexual orientation and gender, but it is not specifically directed at LGBTI workers. There's also an ombudsman ombudsman, uh, office where employees can raise concerns that they don't feel comfortable resolving through normal channels. But I'd like to know, have you ever experienced this personally, or do you know of any incidents that have happened? Um, I have personally never um, experienced any discrimination or vilification in any of my jobs, whether it be in the mining industry or when I was working for the government or anything else that I've done. Um, I do know of situations where it has happened, um, but it's something that's happening less and less. Um, And me personally, I think that the... well. The company that I work for is, is a fantastic company. They have a very, very open and diverse workforce and they're very strict on their um, anti-discrimination laws. And there is actually, um, in our um, code of conduct, there is actually stipulation in there that you cannot be discriminated against for your sexual orientation. So it's actually in there. So do you think your experience for people who are already working in the mining industry um, and thinking about who are thinking about coming out for every homophobic person at mining companies, one or more will step forward to be supportive? Do you feel like that's actually this change has now occurred more so? Is that what you're saying? Um, I don't know. Like for me personally, I I spend more time at work than I do at home. So you really get into an environment. I think. The thing that people have to remember for people who don't work FIFO, which is fly-in, fly-out, um, you you spend more time here living in a remote area on a mine site with people that you work with than you do at home with your own family and friends. So the environment that you live in has to be an environment that's, um, that's a comfortable environment and that you feel comfortable and confident to do what you get paid to do. Um, for me personally, I have a great group of friends on site, some that I know from outside of work, some that I've made through work. Um, my husband actually also works with me on site. We don't walk around holding hands and waving a pride flag, that's for sure, but everyone knows that we are a couple. Everyone knows that we are married. Um, people accept us. People treat us um, with respect and dignity, and we very much feel a part of the team. That is so good to hear. Um, you know, I personally have been brought up in the mines all my life as a, as a child, and um, I, I chose specifically the performing arts industry only because that's where I naturally sort of evolved towards. Um, I think I, my question to you here is also in regards to not just your personal choice and where you go and where you endeavour to become, but more so, um, I guess, the expectations of families and sustainability. Um, it's I've I found that my family personally have been doing the mining uh, industry for so long now because they feel it's it's a, it's a stable uh, financial place for them to support their families. Um, now, being a gay man, you know, and um, not having children, uh, I guess it's it's is it? Do you find that sometimes is that an easier way for you personally? Um, and in, in respect to what you're actually trying to show other families the importance of whether it's important to mine for sustainability sustainability or whether it's something that, um, I guess, should be a freedom of choice? And how do we create sustainabilities in families in general? Look, I think that the mining industry, like most industries, has positives and negatives about it. What I have seen in terms of the uh, Indigenous engagement and employment in this industry is it's really good in empowering people to be self-sustainable, to get off welfare, to be able to maintain their own life. Um, I don't have a university degree. University for me was never something that I was that I considered. I did finish year 12. And when I was younger, I didn't really have that much direction in life. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I just knew that I wanted to be able to earn a living and live a comfortable life myself. Um, and so I worked in quite a few different industries before I got into the mining industry. And there's no way that, the, you know, the money that I earn is really, really good money. And there's no way that I could earn that money in any other capacity if I wasn't in this industry because I don't have a degree. Usually when you're earning a six-figure salary, you have to have had some kind of a university higher education. And in this industry, it's not the case. Um, And there's heavily, um, you know, they're heavily aligned with training and 
mentoring and getting people into the industry that they want to work in. And I, and I don't just mean within the mining industry, but it's also with, you know, oil and gas as well and what people want to do and giving people the options of saying, you know, yes, this is an entry-level position for me and I want to start here, but I also want to get to here by the end of it. So you start off as maybe an entry-level operator, but within two or three years with the right training and mentoring, all of a sudden you're a superintendent. And it's good because it does give Aboriginal families the ability to provide for their family. And it's about that cycle, you know, when you see mum and dad going to work and you see mum and dad that they are providing for their families and the children are brought up in that environment where therefore that is something that they then follow through with. And it's about breaking that cycle, that cycle about welfare dependency and the negative stereotypes that a lot of people have about us. So Interesting conversation. We need to continue this. Um, we'll be back right after the break. We're discussing with a, a young Aboriginal man who actually works in the mining industry and how sometimes it's actually quite a, a risky, uh, I guess not risky, but more so the, the idea of it being a touchy subject. And um, it just goes to show the discussion we had previously about how really how about the uh, the mining industry is actually moving on and, and people are really being set, um, actually accepted for um, for being themselves and just being you know, being accepted as a gay person. So, um, yeah, back on the line, we have our friend. How are you? I'm good, mate. So we were just discussing earlier about how, you know, you were saying uh, it's you were working in the industry and um, before that, though, prior to this, you had other jobs and it sort of led to the idea of thinking that, you know, the mining has been more of a, a sustainable living for you in regards to finance, um, but also it's sort of created a, an also a relationship with communities and how it's sort of... Um, helped you as as a as an individual to sort of empower other people's lives and to actually start stepping your way up into the industry as well which is really incredible um i i personally i i don't feel strongly for the minds and i know you know this um because i feel like it sort of goes against the grains of our culture and why we live um, on this land what the, what the purpose in regards to spirit and and cultural obligations um but it's really interesting to hear your perspective as an Ab- aboriginal man and as an aboriginal gay man at that um it's it's so nice to hear because it's also um i guess not only um giving me a bit more perspective but allowing me to be a bit more informed about the processes of the industry so my question to you is how do we create the sustainability and is it something that we can actually say we can definitely say it's going to be you know, a, a hopefully a continual cycle to make sure the land is always looked after? Oh, look, I think that's a good question and it's, um, it's something that I have definitely in my earlier days in this industry I did struggle with and I do know having conversations with many of my own family and friends who are Indigenous that there is always that element to, you know, is mining good, is mining bad? The thing that I always refer back to on this is that you can turn around and say that the industry is bad, but at the end of the day, what we do here is what keeps the world turning. You drive a car, you fly in a plane, you jump on a train, you live in a house, you know, all these things that people say, you know, they take for granted, that this, this all stems from iron ore, oil and gas. And so if you are going to stand there and say that you can't, justify working in the mining industry because it's a bad industry because of what it's doing to the environment, then you really need to step up and actually go, well, you know, I can't use any of these things that mining actually provides. But at the same time, there is a huge difference between ripping up the land and destroying it and having no respect for it, no plan in place for rejuvenation once you've finished. So I think certainly in the earlier days, Mining companies were not good at that. They, they, they took a lot from Indigenous people and from the land that they were from and they didn't really give anything back and the destruction that they left behind was pretty bad. But certainly with, in line with company policies now, all major companies in, in Australia now um, have very strong um, regulations by state and federal governments of what they must do in terms of having looking after the environment and how to rehabilitate the land once they've finished with it. Uh, my company has a heritage department that is 24-7 manned on site. We have an environment department that is 24-7 manned. And what I mean by that is that 
there's always people on site that are rostered on, whether it's eight and six roster, two weeks on, one week off, four days on, three days off. There's always people on site that are solely responsible for making sure that the environment, the land on which we work, is maintained. And when a mine comes to the end of its life cycle, there are very strong laws in place by most, well, all state governments and territories in this country that regulate exactly how they must um, rehabilitate the land. You know, it's not like they pack up and leave and then leave a big hole in the middle of the ground. They have to get it back to as best as they can to what it was in its original state, which, of course, is impossible. You're never going to be able to get it back to exactly how it was. But at least if you're trying the best you can and you've got strong laws and regulation in place to make sure that that is happening, then I don't see what the issue is there. Yeah, I guess there's a catch-22, knowing that the idea is, you know, what you were saying before about people living without the necessary requirements in which we sort of daily, daily live with and have adapted to. Um, but I, I also, I do question whether, you know, when you look at the idea of the, the holes being drilled in the ground and the gases that basically um, come out once it's dug and once that air is sort of, um, I guess brought out it's it's toxic to the rest of the environment so my question is even though they're looking at rehabilitation um and covering things up to make it you know hopefully to create sustainability the idea of those gases in the air has already caused certain damages so how can we reassure i guess people you know in their environment like the idea of what's happening to our country um that that's not necessarily gonna make people sick well look i think you'll find that most people today will acknowledge that fossil fuels are not the way of the future. Um, there's no denying that there is such thing as climate change. Well, most, most credible people admit and acknowledge that there is climate change. Most people know that the petrol you put in your car and the emissions that they create aren't good for the environment. And I think you'll find that there's a huge focus within the government and within companies now that the, the renewable energy is the way of the future. Now, I don't work in oil and gas. I work in iron ore. So my um, my area of mining, if you like, is about steel production, not about the fossil fuels that, you know, you put in your car. But I know that there's, um, there's a big push in Western Australia, my state that I live in and work in, for lithium production. So there's a few lithium mines that are popping up around um, in the state, in the northwest of the state, and that's for the production of battery-powered cars, that things like Tesla that they make, so that we don't have to rely on having to fill your car up with petrol. You can charge it with electricity. So there's, there are ways, there are things happening, and it's taken a long time, um, but it seems to be catching up pretty quickly now. And from my understanding is Western Australia has the largest deposits of lithium in the world. So we are going to be a leader in this area. Um, and I think it's pretty exciting to see. Yeah, interesting. So I, I guess um, we're just going to try to wrap this conversation up, but it's just been, again, thankful so much for your time. Um, my one big question, I guess, in the end is about really the native title. And um, I guess, you know, when it comes to native title, it's always a very um, strong taboo topic to, to discuss. Um, but I'm hoping sort of just to see your perspective in regards to what do you think about the native title and, 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 and mining? Uh, that is a, that is a, that's quite complex, I will admit. I, um, the, the land that I work on is not from where I'm from. So I'm not a traditional owner here. Um, I am Indigenous, but I'm not from this area. So I am just like everyone else that's not a TO, I'm a guest here. And I do understand that it's a very complex issue and I 100% support the right of Aboriginal people, particularly traditional owners, to be able to make decisions that affect their community and their land. Um, the problem with that, that I have seen on a personal level, just in my observations over the years, is that money has the ability to warp reality, warp perception and corrupt people. And that doesn't, that does not have anything to do with, you know, it doesn't matter what color your skin is, whether you're black, white or somewhere in between. 
So the problem that you have there is that quite often people that may have started out with good intentions, those intentions change because of the money that is being thrown around towards them. Um, and it, it is a very contentious issue. I've seen many instances over the years where um, native title groups have started out as one claimant and then they disagree and they splinter into two or three different corporations all trying to control the same area because they can't agree. So it's complex. It's a, probably a way above my knowledge. All I can say in, in my own personal opinion on that is that I always will, always have done, always will do support the rights of Indigenous people for their own determination about what happens on their land. Always was, always will be. Thank you so much exactly. for your time. And, yeah, no we wish worries. you all the best. And, yeah, I know you're doing really well and you're, and you're educating society, which is so important. And um, thank you for giving us perspective, not only from an Aboriginal man, but also from an LGBTI representation. No worries. Thanks. Happy to talk to you guys. Thank you so much. Cheers, bye. So I guess in the end, do you think, you know, in your experience of people, you know, in regards to the LGBTI people, we are experiencing discrimination in the mining industry, you know, ongoing. It's been an ongoing saga for quite a while now, and it's going to require people to speak up. And it's not just those who are being harassed. So we must remember those who actually are going through troubled times as well and know that you can always, you know, if you have any situations where you feel like you're going through discrimination, make sure you, you go straight through, um, you know, your, your, your job, your companies and, and express this. And don't ever hide the fact that you are uh, who you are and be proud of who you are. All right, we've got another track for you right now, guys. And this is again from Neil Morris. He's a deadly fella. And this is it's something you're going to love. Australia does not exist. No. Australia does not exist. Australia does not exist. Lost into the bay, stepped upon sacred sands. Didn't recognize there was governance at hand. Laws and conditions not based upon demands. Tribes, clans, and families in line with sacred chants. Songlines, stories, blessing, woman, child, man. Stars, constellations, formulating plants. Bountiful planes of medicinal plants. Spouse beyond the physical, beating our dance. None of this dreaming, unfolded by chance. But they didn't see this majesty right before their eyes. Labeled us as savages and Plotted out of Mars, took us star formations to represent their plot. Now, realize the natural essence brought into those knots. Busy painting laws to sidestep our rocks. Deny our very ways to be worked out of sight, out of mind. Spotted laws this landscape never defined in the previous 60,000 plus years of time. That said, Australia still has seen a crime when they push aside the matters and it's blindly to the Australia does not exist. What they be selling is men. Yo, it's straight up illegitimate. Australia does not exist. Yeah. For the crown, hands on the ground, and we'll take all the kids. Hush, don't make a sound, nothing but savages. We'll show them how they're supposed to live, and if they don't assimilate, I guess we'll have to demonstrate our superiority in every single way. And remind them how we've conquered them every single day. And what better way to do this than to give this land a name? Australia, yeah, the great land that was claimed. Man, it ain't gonna work. Watch us grow like flowers if we come from the dirt. The hurt runs deep. Our peep came just to reframe the pictures of the past. So my people know where we came from. We've been here all along. See, Australia don't exist. Just another damn man. Australia does not exist. What no, they no, be no. selling is men. Australia does not exist. But no, they no, keep no. on trying to tell me. Legitimate. Australia does not exist. Yeah, it's all lies, all of it. 
Barty Willoughby there, too deadly. All right, guys, so that was uh, another track from Neil Morris, who's actually uh, titled is Dreaming Now. Yes, he's a Yorta Yorta uh, fella from Nam, and uh, he's just kicking ass in the industry, like I said before. And that song just then was called Australia Does Not Exist. And one of our very, very good brother boys, and um, I think he's just going to continue just uh, peaking it. So, yeah, well done. Um, and he's listening right now, actually. He just texted me before. He's saying, yeah, that's me singing one beer, look. <laughs> and I know you're there, brother. Well done. Yeah, good work. So um, in regards to good work as well, we actually had a few people who signed up for our membership, which is awesome. And um, we're just going to check it out. Neil's going to click onto that for us. And, yeah, it looks like we've got our first member. His name is Clint. So thank you, Clint, from Richmond. And your membership has been um, basically received. And we will we'll be more than happy to get you on board for the next competitions, if anything, a part of the Radiothon. And also a big thank you to Paul as well from Caulfield, Vic, uh, Victoria, and for your membership. Um, yeah, it's great to see you guys doing this. Yes, we've got a couple more tracks before we leave, but know that we've got a, a, an amazing interview right now. And this young lady who's actually, um, who doesn't want to necessarily be mentioned with the name, so that's fine, but she's here to represent a lot of us performing artists in regards to how much of a struggle it is to be in the industry as a performing artist, as a creative and also know that we have to find sustainability in financial living because, you know, we do have a daily, daily requirements in, in regards to actually working and living, you know, in, in the world that actually expects us to have money. And, um, you know, the arts isn't necessarily uh, sustainable when it comes to funding. Um, and I, yeah, I'm really interested to hear more from you. So how are you? Oh, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's absolutely fantastic. Thanks for coming on board. So um, I guess, you know, as an artist, as a creative, um, can you let me know some of the, I guess, the difficulties that can happen, I guess, for an artist in regards to finding work and also trying to sustain uh, an ongoing relationship with the work that you actually love? Oh, well, you know, coming out of high school, it was one of those um, things that your parents never want um, to hear, that you want to be a performer. Um, I go, oh, can't you decide to choose something else? Um, but, yeah, it, it was one of those um, – well, it has been a struggle, you know. Um, you get work and then there are lots of lulls in between and then you have to try and find jobs that let you go on audition and then um, let you go off for months on end on tours and then you can go back to that job or you have to find another job. I think if you looked at my resume, um, it would be a very, very long essay of jobs throughout the last uh, 15, 16 years of being in the industry and it just takes its toll. Um, sometimes you're, um, well, quite financially, you know, adequate and then other times you've got zero dollars to your name and uh yes <laughs> yes i know that feeling too well being an artist um and i guess that thing of knowing that when it comes to particular employment you know i guess like what you're saying before your, your parents were expecting you to have a sustainable job something that's always going to bring in in the bread but um i guess we had you know as an artist you, you have those dreams don't you and you're passionate about what you do um you know, let us know more about what it's like to, you know, in that the idea of having a job and then and knowing you can't do that because you've got to do other jobs in regards to, um, yeah, personal living. Well, 
Um, unfortunately, that's uh, that has been what actually I've been through um, nearly the past 10 years, um, going in and out of work um, and living uh, in a job and circumstances just so that I could maintain um, the way that I like to live, so paying rent, um, mortgages, cars... Um, and when you don't have a, a like a stable job the whole time, um, it's really really hard. Um, so for a lot of it, I did choose to have a stable job, and unfortunately, it doesn't make your heart sing. But you have to make the best of it. Um, but at the moment, I've decided to go back to being broke again and um, try my hand back in the arts and I know it's a little bit of a struggle but it's better to do something that you love than to um, just be in something that you really don't. <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? I, I think there's a thing about us people, um, not only as artists but also because you're an Aboriginal woman as well um, and the expectations of, um, you know, what the industry expects from us and the whole stereotype as well. I'm really intrigued by that. And what's it like for you um, in regards to getting roles as well? Because, you know, it's such a competitive industry, isn't it? And when you look at, um, uh, as in typecasting, uh, particularly in regards to Aboriginal films or television, um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a requirement that they actually, um, I think, they feel has to be um, in regards to our particular skin colour. Well... Amazingly, and I'm so I'm so happy it actually has, but it has changed so much over the years. Um, when I first started out, um, you know, we were doing a lot of Aboriginal plays up the road, stolen. Um, you know, a lot of those fantastic uh, Australian by Aboriginal playwrights. Um, um, but then. The first time I actually um, got asked to do Shakespeare in the Park um, and play Juliet, which was absolutely fantastic. It, that nearly blew me away that it had changed um, changed so significantly because I never ever thought I'd be doing a Shakespeare play um, and playing the main character as Juliet. So, yeah, it's... It is hard um, to break away from those stereotypes. Um, but I have to say um, they're still there, but just not so much. And, you know, um, in Australian film and theatre, um, it has absolutely um, the need and want to hear about our stories um, has grown in such a scale, such a large scale, it's absolutely astounding. So um, the stereotypes and stigmas um, against that. And also um, uh, Aboriginal Aboriginal actors are actually not so shy anymore. They're really wanting to become storytellers um, and also get their, get their story across any medium that they can or, you know, in the creative arts, whether it be cartoons, um, yeah, theatre, dance, yeah, so many mediums um, that the stereotype is changing quite yeah. a lot. And, you know, the thing about you were saying before, like, in regards to telling our stories, like, we, our culture's always been embedded in telling stories from the very beginning. Absolutely, through yeah. Through song, dance and theatre, like, naturally. And it's interesting to see that we've somehow been, uh, I guess, pushed into a, a certain box or an expectations of what we, we can, I guess, um, we're put in to a degree of not being more capable of what we are um, as an artist. And, and I guess, as again, that external... Um, aesthetics of what we're supposed to be in general so it's really interesting to hear that it is growing and people are starting to accept the diversity and um you know we are really no more a longer uh, minority in the industry because it's actually growing you're seeing so many people being accoladed right now for awards and and it's it's like it's got to the stage where i'm looking at tv now i'm going wow i'm seeing such such diversity and and particularly aboriginal actors who i've known of 
who are killing it and actually, you know, on these big commercials and, and television and films. So it's just incredible to see. Um, we've lost time, unfortunately. We have to go. It sucks. I really what? wish I had more time. But thank <laughs> you, you so much. You have to invite me back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll definitely get you back and possibly as a co-host. So keep that in mind. But also, just so you know, tonight was actually produced by this young lady as well. So I'm very happy with your work and um, we expect to keep you on the Urban Dream Team. Why, well, thank but you. But thank you so much, Neil, as well for your time. And it's been an honour to have you all listeners um, listening and tuning in, and in as always. And um, keep those memberships up. And I've got to say goodbye and thank you. And we'll see you on Tuesday next week. <laughs> been listening to Urban Dreaming with your hosts Sue Rummy and Miss Elanius, a show that aims to bridge the gap and close the divide. You can stay up to date by adding us on your Facebook and download the podcast from joy.org.au. Urban Dreaming on Joy 94.9. This Joycast is a free service brought to you by Joy 94.9. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.